0: Welcome to episode 10 of the Wet Wired Podcast, QAnon America. I'm Sean Ondis, And I'm Julian Paul Butt. So we've been trying to figure out, roughly at least, how many people are actually buying into QAnon-type ideas. And I don't know about you, Jules, but if what I've found is that I've already developed this really skewed perspective because of how much time I spend on... I won't even name the different places, but <laughs> the ma- mainly places like Telegram and Twitter and sometimes Reddit. I mean, even though the QAnon threads have been, uh, have been removed from Reddit and people who are posting the extremely outrageous ideas have been banned from Twitter long ago, there is still a lot of that in all of those places. And if you just stay in those areas, like in QAnon Twitter and on the conspiracy side of Reddit… It seems like everybody is into
1: QAnon shit. I have spent more time and more energy on right-wing and conspiracy theorists and other crackpots than on the people in whom I believe. (laughs) Yeah. Like, for months. Likewise. I, I, I have just been saturated. I've been down the rabbit hole for so long that I don't really know what people actually believe it's not that I'm an echo chamber in an echo chamber with people who believe in anti-authoritarian ideas and anti-capitalist ideas and other things that I generally appreciate. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I've been down the rabbit hole with people who I think are total crackpots. Uh huh. <laughs> and so, that's a very different echo chamber.
0: Yeah. And when you hang out on someplace like Telegram and you're following these these people – you get nothing but these crazy fucking ideas all the time that's all that's there is the crazy ideas you don't ever get any sort of sense making out of any of it it's all this magical thinking <laughs> yeah what i what i've started seeing inside myself is that i'm starting to think that with the exception of a few people that i follow online who are also following this particular crowd or crowds or people in these crowds that Everybody else is in on it. It's It seems like it's everywhere. I don't th- – I I think that that's a uh, – that attitude is uh, it needs to be checked with more mainstream stuff and it's called mainstream because most people are doing it. You know, that's, that's why it's mainstream.
1: Uh, I believe it's called
0: lamestream. Yeah, right. Exactly. The mockingbird media. <laughs> so, we've been – like I said, we've been trying to figure out how many people are actually buying into this stuff. One of the places you can look is polling. Dozens of regional na- and national polls have been conducted in the past few years that try, are trying to get an accurate head count of the number of Americans who are supporting QAnon type ideas. I want to say something about this grouping of calling everything QAnon. That's not really a thing, even though it is a thing. There isn't really a QAnon. And once you get into the QAnon circles, they're very fast are uh, they they're very quick to say that there's only q and the anon's there's no q anon <laughs> they they like this is like the talking point that everybody is repeating what they're getting at there is that there was q who was this anonymous message board poster on 8chan and 8kun or posters probably a couple of people called q and then there's all the people that were just waiting for it to – waiting for him to spit out the next post and lapping it up. Those are the Anons. That's yeah. The, that's the terminology they tend to use. I don't fucking care. It's Q anon, But I think that needs to be – that does need to be pointed out and, and picked apart a little is that Q hasn't posted since – What, 2020? November, November of 2020, something like that. Yeah. So – since then, in the absence of any sort of direction, all of the people that were really trying to make kind of an industry or a, or a career from disseminating cube drops and interpreting them, you know, trying to decipher the hidden meanings and all the crazy fucking ways they spend their time. Like gematria. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So, that's a great example that, you know, that, that you brought that up. G- gematria is is a is a great one because I mean there there's so you're going to hear it's no it's gematria
1: no it's gematria I, I, again also it for the c- listeners who don't know yet uh, uh, or haven't listened to our previous podcast it's number bullshit it's picking yes. apart letters and adding them up in some convoluted way to mean whatever the fuck you want it to mean frankly.
0: Yeah, it, it is the way that it's, that it's handled, especially by the people who talk about it the most, which would be Michael Protzman, you know, negative 48, and the other guy, something numbers, Tommy Numbers. That's the other guy.
1: <laughs> um, what a name.
0: They're not even really doing actual like numerology for what it's worth. They're doing this sort of simplified form of numerology. So it's not even as cool as like people who study the Kabbalah and try to figure out in the Torah the value of each letter and what the words add up to and everything like that. It's it's, it's a simplified version of it. But that's a great example because that sort of – yeah, as far as I know, I mean I haven't like read all the Q drops or anything like that. I have no interest in that. But I don't think there are any Q drops that are specifically rep- referencing Gematria. I think that so that's that's my that's my point is that there's all these after Q went silent there are a whole bunch of people who continue amplifying those original ideas from the drops but they're not just amplifying they're adding all these fun new twists to the Q story pretty much at every news cycle the something gets gets added on to it so it turns into this this amalgam of all of these ideas that we're collectively calling QAnon. So you can get people that might be labeled as a QAnon follower, QAnon believer. There's nobody to follow. It's like a ball rolling down a hill
1: that's picking up whatever shit it's picking up along the way. Exactly.
0: It 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 is the dirtiest snowball you've ever seen. Yeah, that was like some. It was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something like that (laughs) with an avalanche and the there's this giant snowball rolling down the hill and it's like picking up skiers and things like that and you know. That that's
1: that's basically QAnon. Uh, quite a handful of years ago, if you remember, the Tea Party. We had this alternative to traditional, conventional conservatism in the United States, which was primarily uh, in in the right. Republican Party.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because you're talking about a an alternative to the traditional representation of conservatism and all i remember is some idiot with a tricorn hat with fucking tea bags <laughs> hanging off of each
1: corner like luzan tea bags and by the way none of them knew what tea bagging was which made all the jokes about tea bagging all the more funny no but but for real i i do want to point this out this this Timeline. uh, I want to back up, and I'll be brief because I don't want to detract from what we're saying here. But it occurs to me that that because all of it's so valuable, it is. (laughs) I assure you, it is. Well, so pre-Reagan, we had a different sort of conservatism, conservatism that in, for example, the era of Nixon, where he was embracing things that he refused to call, but basically was the UBI. Yeah. And we had other conservatives who were on board with social safety nets and a number of other things. And the
0: fucking EPA. Nixon is the one that
1: created the EPA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we had a lot of other things besides where it wasn't so cut and dry with the ideology that we take for granted today in conservatism. I oh, know. We can blame Reagan for all that shit. We can totally blame Reagan for all of that shit. Yeah it's the neocons the, the neocons and the trickle down bullshit and and all yeah. the rest of it but i mean Cheney Cheney was in the cabinet back then he absolutely was and 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 i i bring up Reagan as a mile marker where there's pre-Reagan and post-Reagan conservatism but then after that we had this Reagan conservatism for a handful of decades that was almost adopted in many parts by the uh Clinton liberals for many of yeah. the things with neoliberalism and a bunch of other stuff. NAFTA, we can yeah. we can go on. Uh, w- uh of course Biden with, with his his policies in the in the 90s. Obama too. Yeah. What's that? Obama too. And Obama too. But yeah. the the point that I'm getting at here is that we had that kind of classic conservatism, Reagan conservatism, and then we started to shift into something different in the aughts with the, with the uh, alternative conservatism that we saw in the, with the teabaggers. And then that kind of went away. It kind of silently went away. It just kind of faded away. That's all I can describe it as.
0: I don't think it did fade away though because the remnants of that freedom caucus in the House of Representatives is definitely going strong. It
1: is, but I mean, it's not – That's, where, not,
0: that's where we get people – that's where we get these people that have been like just nothing but assholes like Jim Jordan. Yeah. And Matt Gates, You know, these guys who came out of that movement, they're direct inheritors of all that Tea Party bullshit. And the, and the Rand Paul and other Ayn Rand fans. And this is when obstructionism became just just the, the, the going platform the for the entire party. thing.
1: So I guess yeah. what I was saying is that the Tea Party, as like, Tea Party did have kind of a distinct thing. And it was only a thing because the Koch brothers funded it. Yeah, it it would not have even had uh, no. st- stood the test. Uh, it, it it would not have been a thing without the Koch brothers. No, it, it was it was it was an entirely
0: astroturfed movement that was. But it was when they it was when the you know these political schemers first saw that there was really something to all of this grievance politics. Yeah, or all of these all the all this this grievance politicking, and they they figured out that there was a, there was this whole group of people. Re- largely white people that had, you know, that had lower, lower levels of education and lower income were typically. And well, lower income because of that, because of the lower education. And they'd been, they were pissed because they felt like they were entitled to some kind of, you know, benefits of all of this American program that they had not been receiving. They're not wrong about that. But all of that grievance was funneled in a particular direction against 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 immigration or against uh, inner city programs, you know all, it was, all it was the classic all of, stuff, all the classics, and none and none of it was pointed where it really belongs, which was corporations that don't pay any income tax, or the, you know the 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 back and forth uh, uh, movement between uh, between cabinet positions and corporate boards. Yeah, you know this this marriage of the public and the private sector where. People, they work in telecommunications and then they end up sitting on the FCC. Yeah. or And then go back and become, you know, a, a CFO or something like that of another telecommunications company.
1: The, the fucking cabinet-to-board cabinet, cabinet to board
0: pipeline. Yeah, Ajit Pai is a perfect example of that. You know, he hung out of Verizon as, as some kind of legal counsel or something like that. And then he ends up being the chair
1: of the FCC. <laughs> yeah. So, what I was saying about the, the, the teabaggers is that – As a distinct collection, they kind of fizzled out as a distinct collection. Nobody's talking about the Tea Party anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's what I was saying about that. But it did, it wedged open. That was where we cleaved away from the unified Reaganite Republican Party and started towards exploring alternatives, alternative right, or alt-right, if you will.
0: The alternative right. I, I like to call it the hillbilly contingent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the redneck wing. <laughs>
1: like, oh. They came out of the woodwork during Bush's pres- no, presidency. No, it's, it's the fucking American History X wing is really what it yeah, is. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's all these fucking fash who say, we're fash, but not quite fash, but kind of fash, but I don't know. It's It's this fucking wishy-washy, can't quite fucking pick a thing. Where we see, like, for example, the Proud Boys and all these other dickheads who will be so explicitly white supremacist, fascist, where they're not even hiding it. They're not even doing the dog whistle politics that we did in even the early aughts with with W. Even with W, he had to come out and say, we're not against Muslims. Don't worry. He he, he still had to pander – And then do the dog whistle politics. These are people who are not whistling to fucking anybody. They're just coming right out and saying we don't like immigrants. If you have the wrong skin color, go fuck yourself. They they just come right out and say it.
0: I I think that we kind of stumbled into something though that the energy for all of this QAnon shit is still there. You know, like or you know, with the energy from all that Tea Party stuff was still there, and it got funneled right into. Somebody else to blame. That's another storyline. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it's still immigrants. It's still except now, you know, they're not talking about like the good immigrants or you know, like the the good people from Central America. They're talking about we need to shut down immigration because all the sex traffickers are coming in.
1: And we start to see the blend, the meshing where the conventional conservatives really didn't fuck with. The libertarian, they really were for a long time, totally separate crowds. They were both conservative, but they weren't, they weren't the same fucking crowd at all. Well, there's no real libertarians anymore anyway. Not anybody
0: who has any kind of political voice. Not at all. The, The real, real libertarians are anti pretty much every piece of legislation. And we don't have those kinds of libertarians because you look at the people who represent libertarianism, you know, quote unquote, in the senate right now like rand paul and he's not in there voting against tax breaks for corporation no yeah he comes up every once in a while and he takes some sort of a principled stand about something but mostly he just toes the line for
1: what everybody else is doing absolutely and and we see that in in the republican party but what we have at least typically beforehand not seen is this mesh where these libertarian ideas. And when I say libertarian, I want to expand that a little bit to the Joe Rogan crowd and the the, the more vague libertarian crowds. Not the, not the straight up party line libertarian party crowd like, uh, what's his name? The former governor of New Mexico. He's not even a real libertarian. He just likes pot. Gary
0: Johnson. Johnson. There we go. Yeah. He just likes pot and he hates taxes. He's not a real libertarian either. All right. Fair enough. I I'm not I'm not saying that there's anything really good about being a libertarian. I'm just saying he's not one. Yeah, no, that's he's like a libertarian. He's a libertarian by convenience because he he was a business owner, he ran a construction company, and he doesn't want to pay taxes because what contractor does, and he also is a pothead, so he wants to have legalized marijuana. Those things tend to align with a lot of other people and they 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 you know they, they align with libertarian ideas to that extent, but he's not philosophically a libertarian. No.
1: Even even if we're going to get too semantic about the term libertarian, frankly, the term libertarian originally comes from anarchists in the 19th century. That's where that term here we, comes here from. Here we go again. Here we go again. It always <laughs> comes back to the anarchists.
0: All right. So, but, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind all this thing. All right, I'm going so, to gather all these cats back together into a, into a herd. And what I'm going to say is that there are a lot of ideas out there that are trafficked, no pun intended, as <laughs> QAnon <laughs> beliefs. And they don't always travel as a group. So, some people over here can pick up some of these ideas and other people over here, they latch on to some others. They don't necessarily associate them as coming from – a this sort of broad group of QAnon type concepts, and they're
1: all just kind of falling into the alt right, broadly speaking, and they just get funneled into th- this. That's, even that isn't even true about the alt right thing. The
0: conservative angle for QAnon is that is also a like a, a that is a sliver or maybe a, you know a slice of that larger group of people. What really ties them together is Trump as this as a central figure. Not republicanism, not conservatism, not fascist ideology, though they do have a fascination with paramilitary uh, uh, order and police states. All of these things, people can have – hold on to these individual beliefs and not necessarily know about the other ones or encounter the other ones and know that there are other people who have all of them together. Does that make sense? Yeah. We have a b- bunch of intersecting circles on this giant Venn diagram, and there are people who have s- pieces of these, but not the whole picture necessarily. That makes it challenging for some of these polls. And, you know, this is what we're going to get into. So we have a couple of articles, and the first one is coming from Western Journal, which, yeah, it seems like a nonsense name. And until I was uh, doing some research, I'd never even heard of it. But it nicely sums up a lot of these ideas. So I thought I would include it anyway, even though it doesn't have, you know, the sort of broad name appeal that some of the other articles that we have, uh, that that we're going to read from have. So this is from Michael Austin in the Western Journal last year. And he's talking about what was at the time a recent poll conducted by Suffolk University in USA Today.
1: New poll shatters the left's QAnon narrative. Only 4% of Trump supporters believe it. In the last few years, establishment media outlets have directed an abundance of resources towards covering the QAnon conspiracy theory. In general, QAnon supporters are a right-wing fringe who believe a secret cabal of international sex traffickers <laughs> to, to be conspiring alongside members of the American government's deep state. This is serious shit, Julian. All right. <laughs> Keep it together. I didn't mean to laugh, Sean. They also view former President Donald Trump as a sort of messianic figure, chosen by God to stop the supposed syndicate. If many of the most prominent establishment media outlets are to be believed, followers of the QAnon conspiracy pose an existential threat to American democracy and are especially pervasive among Trump's base. However, a new survey shows the prevalence of such ideas has been seriously exaggerated. According to a USA Today Suffolk University poll, only 4% of Trump voters have a favorable view of QAnon. All right. Not so bad so far, right? Yeah. Right? Just
0: 4%. Only 4%. That
1: doesn't sound like too much.
0: Yeah. It seems like the lefty media is at it again, just stirring up shit where there isn't any problem.
1: It's all good. Don't listen to MSNBC. And if you know how foreshadowing works, I think you know how this <laughs> goes next. The nationwide survey was conducted February 15th through the 20th through phone interviews with American citizens who voted for Trump in the 2020 election. The final results compiled responses from 1,000 interviewees with a margin of error of plus or minus 3.1 percentage points. Respondents were asked whether their opinion of QAnon was generally favorable or generally unfavorable. In addition to the affirmation 4%, Thirty-one point four percent found the movement unfavorable. Forty-three point three percent said they had never heard of QAnon, and twenty-one point three percent were undecided. How are there that many who have never heard of QAnon? That there's no way.
0: I, I believe it. I mean, it's it's totally possible. I know I talk to people, and if you don't watch the news and your whole life is, you know, someplace else, then yeah, you, you you may have never heard of it.
1: That is really fascinating A lot of people don't watch the news.
0: If all you're watching is primetime television and you don't ever watch any kind of news or read anything, or you're just hanging out on Hulu or Netflix or something all the time and playing video games, how the fuck are you ever going to hear a QAnon?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. That is still so mind-blowing to me in my yeah. present worldview, my present context of – researching these dickheads all the fucking time but see that's what i mean about this
0: you know being immersed in this shit all the time it's easy to think that everybody else knows about it too but what i found is when i talk to people most people don't really know what it is now there you know there's a selection bias among my friend group that most people i know have heard of it but i i know that that most people also don't read the news just most of my friends do yeah all right so This Suffolk poll finding, uh, findings, there's actually more to it than just the QAnon stuff. They were asking all kinds of questions about Trump voters. What they did is they, uh, they surveyed a thousand people. And, you know, this is the, this is the survey from the telephone script. Hello, my name is whatever. And I'm conducting a survey for Suffolk, Suffolk University, USA Today. And tonight we're tracking previous survey respondents from national and state polls with a brief follow up survey. Would you like to spend six minutes to help us out? So then they, you know, they they verify the demographic info. And what we found is that the it is 53.4% male, 40, 46.3% female, and then 0.3% non-binary, or, you know, which includes transgender, uh, gender variant, non-conforming.
1: And these are Trump voters? No, this is...
0: Actually, yeah, these are Trump voters. Sorry, yeah. No, you're right. This is a tr- this is a poll for Trump voters. All right. So, the party leaning was 4.2% Democrat and 66.6% Republican, 22.2% independent, and then the rest is other and refused. Uh the age range, it is mostly 35 to 49. Twenty-four point five percent, and then fifty to sixty-four is twenty-six point six percent, and then beyond that is you know another twenty-six percent for everybody older. Mostly white, eighty percent white, Caucasian, two percent, two point five percent black. No way. Two point five percent Asian, and 9%, nine percent, uh, point seven percent Hispanic slash Latino. So then they include. <laughs> Two or more races. 1.1. 1. 1. <laughs> all right.
1: So for all you all right. mutts out there,
0: this whole crowd, <laughs> a- 89% think of this thousand people of of, of Trump voters think the, the country is headed on the wrong track. 89%. And when they consider the Democratic Party, they have a 92% unfavorable. Uh, They have a 57% favorable for the Republicans, but an 82.1%, 82.1% favorable for Trump. And this is the group that also says a 4% favorable for QAnon.
1: So they for voted QAnon. for Trump, but they're only 80 and some change percent in favor of Trump. At this point. At this point. Know, yeah.
2: That's an yeah, important this, this notion. Is,
0: yeah, this is after four years of Trump as a president. Not everybody has a favorable opinion. You know, 11.8% have an unfavorable opinion of him at this point, and 6.1% are undecided. All right, so just going down this list, I'm just going to pick out some things that that stand out to me. Of the following words, which do you believe best describes the events at the Capitol on January 6th? Would you say it was a riot? 30.5%. A protest? 34.3%. An insurrection? only 5.4. A demonstration, 14.3. All right. A demonstration slash protest is already covering 48.6% of everybody. And then you include a gathering, which is another 5.9. So now we're up to, what is that?
1: 53, uh, 54. 5% I I didn't I didn't hear I didn't hear the option for a cocktail party in there anywhere Yeah, well,
0: well I think that that's included in gathering.
1: Oh, Okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is always also what you call a group of witches when they get together a cocktail party Yeah, that too <laughs> So <laughs> in this in this same group the next question which of the following best describes what happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? First option, an attempted coup inspired by President Trump. 3.5%. No surprises there. <laughs> Next one, a rally of Trump supporters, some of whom attacked the Capitol. 27.8%. All right. So what we don't find in that group is – uh how many were you know? How many of those people do you think were Trump supporters, and how many do you think were sort of going out of balance in their actions or something? The next one, this is good. Mostly an Antifa-inspired attack it is. that only there it is that only involved a few Trump supporters. Fifty-eight point one percent. Oh my god! I was waiting
1: that. for you to say the 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 false flag. And by the way. <laughs> For all the listeners, it's pronounced antifa. Emphasis on the fa. Nobody cares. Nobody cares.
0: No, nobody cares.
1: It's the same with like
0: when people correct me about how to pronounce gematria. If they say gematria,
1: I don't care. I wasn't matter. correcting you. I'm just saying I hear it all the time and I must. But nobody cares. But nobody cares. <laughs>
0: All right. So yeah, th- those so those are the sa- some highlights from the same the same uh, Suffolk University USA Today poll that found only four percent of uh was it four percent? Yeah, only four percent had a uh, a favorable idea of
1: QAnon. All right, back to the article. These findings stand in stark contrast to the fearful rhetoric of various establishment media outlets about the conspiracy theory movement. For example, in September 2020, ABC News claimed QAnon had arrived in the mainstream. Similar sentiments were voiced in articles for The New Yorker, BBC News, NBC News, and the Los Angeles Times. More recently, two February 4th stories from The New York Times and NPR claimed QAnon was once a fringe phenomenon that has since gone mainstream, and that last year QAnon spread into the mainstream. If the USA Today Suffolk University poll is to be believed, these statements are wild exaggerations.
0: So I I love it when somebody takes all the time to write an article and then ends it with this sort of conditional statement at the end, that if the USA Today Suffolk University poll is to be believed, these statements are wild. So he's not willing to say they're wild exaggerations, except no, he actually is willing to say that in the title of his piece where new poll shatters the left's QAnon narrative, only four percent of Trump supporters believe it. That's what he's willing to say in his own opinion, but when it comes to the uh when it comes to the content of his article, then he's going to fall
1: back on conditionalities. We have this kind of equivocation, not only in articles like this, but it's a foundational role in a lot of the dialogue that we experience in A lot of the political discussions that we have. When I say equivocation, it's this plausible deniability in each statement where you don't have to fucking pick a side. We see this a lot. There's There's a technique that's used from a lot of the quacks, especially a lot of the quacks, but all over the place. This I'm just asking questions rhetoric. Oh, he, keep, he, he keeps going. He, this gets better. That's, that's uh, Sure, we'll, we'll continue. Here. But I wanted to point out that equivocation and the I'm just asking questions framework that makes a claim without putting anything behind it and being able to back out at any time. Continuing. Many critics have pointed out the disparate coverage of QAnon in the establishment media compared with ideas many consider to be equally fallible, such as the theory of systemic racism. <laughs> all right so this guy's showing his cards now <laughs> now now we know where okay gotcha <laughs> fucking flags have been thrown up an idea rooted in the theoretical framework of critical race theory jesus fucking christ
0: oh i, I just keep let's just keep rolling cool. this, this guy is uh
1: he is he is a, a just a wealth of uh, of material systemic racism propounds that all performance gaps between racial groups must be due to gross racial discrimination. While the QAnon theory lives on in the fringes of the political right, the theory of systemic racism has been a central piece of the Democratic Party's platform, with President Joe Biden crafting much of his equity agenda based on its presuppositions. Political scientist Wilford Riley explained why Hold on. We 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 should
0: point out that this is referencing another article in the Western Journal, which is profiling Ben Shapiro.
1: Get so the <laughs> fuck out
0: of here. The the Equity Agenda is a is a link to a Ben Sh- uh, an article about Ben Shapiro.
1: <laughs> world renowned academic Mister Shapiro. Jesus fuck.
0: I, I think it's more like world renowned whiny guy Ben Shapiro. Is it Ben
1: Shapiro whose doctor wife? has the desert vagina. Is that the oh my one? my god. Is that I the one no on Twitter? Idea. I have no idea. <laughs> sure. You know the we're memes I'm rest. referencing,
0: right? I don't care about the
1: memes, but yes, we're going to say yes. <laughs> uh, Alright, just cut this whole fucking banter, because... Keep going. If neither of us remembers, <laughs> then it's worth shit. But there were so many great memes with, like, the Sahara Desert and him talking about wet-ass pussy. And his doctor wife. Same guy. Yeah, because he was all worked up over that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Political scientist Wilfred Riley explained why he saw the conspiracy theory of systemic racism as particularly problematic. I'm going to interrupt really quickly here. I don't appreciate the term problematic when radlibs say it, and I don't appreciate it necessarily when leftists say it. And it's so much worse when conservatives say it. Problematic is such a dog shit term. It's a fucking catch-all. If something is racist, call it racist and provide analysis or critique according to it being racist. If it's sexist or patriarchal or whatever, whatever the fucking thing is, I cannot tell you how much the term problematic drives me up the fucking wall because it's sort of a, it's sort of a, a conform Semantically, to whatever the fuck it is that I think is is the correct vernacular, and I don't have to spend the energy to get specific about what the fuck you're saying that is a problem, so to speak. Jules is such a measured guy. This is his version of Alex
0: Jones rant. So, in, 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 the, in the same and uh, in, the, in the same vein. Alex Jones would be jumping up and tearing his shirt off and screaming, but you know. Meanwhile, Jules is telling me all this and just slowly unbuttoning his shirt and putting it onto a hanger, <laughs> <and then>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like Mister Rogers unbuttoning the, the the sweater vest and putting it on, yes, <laughs> taking off my shoes and putting on some loafers. <laughs> If hard data shows that Asians, Jews, Nigerians... Oh, Jesus Christ, where is this going? Oh, no, this is good. Yeah, this, this is good, like yeah. This sounds like a setup to a bullshit joke, a canned joke yeah. about a bar. If hard data shows that Asians, Jews, Nigerians, East Indians, etc. out-earn whites, and it does, this at le- at the, at very least strongly indicates that potent hidden racism is not the primary problem for black Americans today, Riley told the Western Journal via, e- via email. <laughs> I think we all know yeah, where this I is going. Wa-
0: I, I don't even want to get into like that whole thing, but I just wanted to – I left all this in here. like I wanted to cover this part of this guy's article too because he really does this kind of Trojan horse situation where he starts off talking about QAnon and the polling and then he just starts shoehorning – all this critical race theory shit in here. <laughs> it, the, the article is literally about how the how the new poll shatters the left's you know QAnon agenda or QAnon media coverage, but then he just starts shoving all this critical race theory shit in, saying that like that basically the same the same people who are telling us that QAnon is a big deal have also generated this sort of false problem of systemic racism. And by That's the way, he's trying to. He's trying to make an equivalency here that they, that the, that left wing media is creating a right wing conspiracy and also this systemic racism problem. And, and this is like, there's parallels between the two, the two, the,
1: you know, the two actions. I would give a fucking Benjamin to any of these right wingers who could accurately tell me what critical race theory is. I would actually be willing to bet that this guy Wilfred Riley,
0: might be able to do that. He seems to have some academic chops from what I've read about him, but that said, he is falling in to, this guy this guy Wilfred Riley, who this this last quote was was from Riley via email with the uh, with the author of this article in the Western Journal. He's made himself a career on this kind of reasonable, conservative angle where he's coming out against the 1619 Project, and I don't need to defend the 1619 Project, but he is, he is one of the people who has, is trying to make a niche for himself by opposing it. Yeah. And by opposing anybody who thinks that there's a systemic racism problem in the United States, and then countering it with the same talking points about, well, if there's so much racism, then why do Nigerians not have a problem? And, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't mention, you know, he mentions East Indians. And, but, you know, you know, like a lot of times you'll find that, that, you know, not just Nigerians, but other immigrants from Africa who come to the U.S. and are not African-Americans, they're African immigrants, come in and they tend to out-earn African-Americans or black Americans. All right, let's just pick up from here. That,
1: that's a, that's a whole different conversation. Furthermore, in an article for Spiked, Riley pointed out that while the fringes of the right and left have their fair share of conspiracy theories, including QAnon, no such idea has more mainstream leverage than that of systemic racism. Almost forgotten amid the justified mock- (laughs) 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 Almost- (laughs) Oh, man. Quote, (laughs) Almost forgotten amid the justified mockery of comments like these, however, has been the extraordinarily extensive prevalence of a different sort of conspiracy theory, he wrote. The narrative behind movements like Black Lives Matter contends that hundreds, if not thousands, of black Americans are murdered by the state on an annual basis, that harassment and abuse of blacks by whites is constant and that virtually all gaps in performance between racial groups must reflect hidden racism. These claims are almost universally false, but they have been accepted as conventional wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) So, hidden in in Jules' overly dramatic
0: reading at the end of this (laughs) is just more of the, uh, more of... (laughs) More of this, this, uh, this shoehorning of the systemic racism idea here at the end of an article that was started off being about fucking QAnon. I was reading this and thinking like, where the hell is this guy going? Like, this is some, this is such a hackish fucking article. This, this guy, if he, if somebody, if some high school student submitted this as an English paper in their sophomore English class, F, that shit would come back to him and say, what are, where are you going with this? Why are you drifting from one topic to another? You need to stick to your goddamn thesis statement. At any rate, the 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 takeaway we're going to stick with, aside from him trying to air his grievances about systemic racism and left-wing media, is that QAnon is not a thing that we should be worried about. This is something that the left has just been ginning up as uh, as a problem that doesn't really exist, and we should just all move on. There's other things that we should be that we should be concerned about, like school board meetings or something like that.
1: Don't look at the man behind the curtain.
0: All right. This next one is talking about how how support for QAnon is hard to measure. And this is an article from James Shanahan in Heavy. Shanahan is at the media school at Indiana University. It's hard to know how many people actually believe the tenets of QAnon's claims, including that devil-worshipping, cannibalistic pedophiles are somehow running the world. Its adherents have caused violence and insurrection, as happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6. And it raised concerns about a second attack on March fourth. Both the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have released bulletins warning of the possibility of future violence from domestic terrorists, potentially including QAnon followers. There has been a lot of polling about QAnon aimed at figuring out how much fear it is reasonable to have about the Americans who have abandoned themselves to darkly fantastic speculation with a demonstrated potential for violence. So, he's taking it seriously. Demonstrated potential for violence. He's calling it darkly fantastic speculation. Alright. One such project is here at Indiana University's Observatory on Social Media where we have been studying how falsehoods and and conspiracy-type ideas spread online and how much people say they believe them. Because that's an important angle. Yeah. How much people say they believe it. All right. So far, so good. We found wide support, sometimes over 50%, and highly partisan-motivated, for many falsehoods, such as unfounded concerns about Joe Biden's cognitive abilities (laughs) (laughs) and unsupported fears about fraud during mail-in voting but the spread of ideas online and people's endorsement of them in polls doesn't give the whole picture. Okay. He is dismissing some actual reality that you can observe by watching Joe Biden go off the rails in any longer speeches where he will just glitch out.
3: If, he, he if he's just, off script for
0: even a few minutes, he Jesus just shorts Christ. out. I, there, there, there's just an electrical short going on where – he forgets where it's like he's forgetting, forgetting entirely where he is and what he's talking about. And he'll just go off on some sort of tangential, like Grandpa Simpson's sort of thing. <laughs> and he'll start telling a story about the old days and, you know, what they used to do with moonshiners, you know, when they and, caught and, him or something. Uh,
1: when he gives his fucking anecdotes like a corn
0: pop. Oh my God. Fucking A. <laughs> He's. I think he's given Biden a little bit too much rope here. You know, he he. There are some questions and concerns about his cognitive abilities that are not crazy to be con- to think about.
1: It, it It's it's not it's not just some fucking ideological riffing that the people are doing no. with that. It's. Well, I mean, legit. especially
0: when we're talking about like all the shit that's going down in Ukraine with a country that has you know just about the largest new nu- arsenal of nuclear weapons invading another country and we have a president who sometimes forgets what he's talking
1: about that's an issue and and he says things like he's gotta go it's like uh what do you mean bud that's not that's not bullshit to worry and about. then he backtracks <laughs> without eliminating and saying like oh i was just saying is a there's a general sentiment you can't just like just randomly spout off some shit like he's
0: gotta go Okay, that's – you're talking about regime change right now with a nuclear power. Back to this guy's article. A September 2020 poll by the left-leaning Daily Kos. All right, it is – yeah. Radlib at best. Yeah. On the online polling company and the online polling company Civics found that 50% of Republicans, quote, believed QAnon. Republicans are roughly one quarter of American adults. That's because half of American adults don't fucking vote. That's why it's only one quarter. That checks out. Though daily costs may overstate positions it thinks would look bad for Republicans, the 56% of Republicans who, quote, believed QAnon could amount to about 14% of the country. I'm not sure what math he's using right now, but... I believe believe W has said it best, fuzzy math. However, NBC polls that same month found that more than half of registered voters had no idea what QAnon was, and that only 3% of the respondents had a positive view of it. All right, so that matches the the Suffolk USA Today poll, too.
1: It's consistent.
0: Yeah. So these are, you know, these polls are happening different years, but the numbers are are fairly matching up. And from
1: different sources.
0: And different sources. A December poll of Americans from the polling firm Ipsos asked whether we're whether people thought specific QAnon teachings were true and found that 17% thought the core belief was true that, quote, a group of Satan-worshipping elites who run a child sex ring are trying to control our politics and media. 17%. 17 That's not voters. That's people. 17%. By January, as QAnon was getting more attention in the media, a YouGov poll found that 37% of registered voters in the U.S. had heard of QAnon. Yet, of those, only 7% believed its allegations were true, or about 2.5% of American vo- voters. Again, pretty
1: similar stats.
0: Not, not yeah, not that dissimilar, but this smaller number of 7.5% of or, or uh, 2.5% of American voters. Even if you take that number, 2.5% of voters, all right, that's not citizens, that's voters. Half of the people vote, so 5% is citizens. So if you expand that to every adult in the U.S., that 2.5% is still over 6 million people who potentially think that Hillary Clinton once ate the face off of a child. (laughs) That is a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But even so, if that's the whole story, we could probably stop worrying about QAnon if we're going to believe the last two authors. I'm not so sure about that, though, because considering the treatment that Ukraine's President Zelensky has gotten recently from Fox News and OAN and how Republican senators on the uh, confirmation committee for Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson have behaved. I think Mike Austin of the Western Journal might have missed some things.
1: There's been a lot going on at Fox News and OAN. This is an article in Rolling Stone from John Blistein. As Russia has intensified its war in Ukraine, the Kremlin's propaganda outlets have largely been shut off in the West, but Vladimir Putin has some not-so-subtle defenders nested nestled into America's far-right media outlets.
0: We talked about some of this when we did the Ukraine Disinfo episode about the audience for Putin's disinformation campaign, his propaganda campaign, that in a lot of cases, he's talking to the to Russian people, but he's also talking to the supporters in the West. Yeah. And
1: he has more than a few, as we talked about yeah. in the other episode yeah. – He's got a lot <laughs> from the far left to the far right. Yeah, right. The far left who
0: still thinks that he's you know secretly a communist and they like him still, and the far right who see him as this sort of fascistic dictator. They like that too. Well, what they really hate are, or what they what they really hate is cancel culture, and they love that Putin hates cancel culture too.
1: <laughs>
0: That's what they like.
1: They're big fans of the fact that he has made sure to hold fast despite the onslaught of the Alphabet Mafia against him. And and they totally miss the fact that all the censorship that is
0: state-supported in Russia is state-sanctioned cancel culture. (laughs) 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 Where no dissenting opinions are ever allowed in a public forum. That's basically their ideal. They just, they don't give a shit about cancel culture. They just don't want anybody to disagree with them anymore.
1: He bears the burden like Atlas to make sure that all of the LGBTQ plus and the rest of the alphabet mafia are underfoot right where they belong. And also anybody else who disagrees with him. They, they say they don't like cancel culture. And I know I just
0: said that, but they actually love they cancel fucking culture. love it so fucking much they, and and they they because it plays into their whole victim persecution complex too that everybody's always against them and trying to hold them down and you can tell that they love it that much because every time they get a chance to sort of just cut loose on their own social media platforms it's fucking crickets over there nobody uh, who's hanging out on gab or parlor or Nobody any of these fucking
1: cares. There's no, because there's no conflict. They have no,
0: they have no conflict. There's nobody to argue with. And they just love that. They just want to feed off of that argument. They don't get it over there. That's why that, – I mean you've seen it in the news recently about Trump's truth social network app.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> That's like going how shitty smashingly. everything
0: is going over there. Yeah, it's all going <laughs> like – it's all going totally shitty because they're facing the same problem that they had over at Gavin Parlor there's nobody to
1: argue with. I would say to these people, Jesus Christ, get down off your cross, but well Alright, let's keep going. That includes from Fox News' biggest boy, Tarl t- <laughs> Tarl Cuck Tarl Car- ta- ta- Cuckerson. <laughs> Tarl Cuckerson, Tarle Cuckerson. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Tucker Carlson as well as the folks on uh, the folks of OAM, arguably the front runner for the most outrageous claims made from OAM respondent Pearson Sharp. No, no, no! no don't read that again. Correspondent. So I, I'm sorry. I was still, I was still laughing so much from the <laughs> guitar. <laughs> guitar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even say it i can't even say it Tarl cuckers <laughs> i can't even fucking say
0: it all right jules is broken
1: <laughs> i'm gonna skip to the next line and try it again <clears throat> but i can't even say taro <laughs> okay <clears throat> poker face <laughs> Arguably the, arguably, the front runner for the most outrageous claim came from OEN correspondent Pearson Sharp, who speculated wildly in a segment last week that Putin's decision to invade a sovereign country was actually the fault of, wait for it, President Biden. <laughs> <laughs> These fucking comedians! I can't even make this shit up!
0: I I think we need to give John Blistein another shout-out for giving us such great material to work with (laughs) Here, For
1: Christ's sake. In no uncertain terms, Sharp proclaimed, Joe Biden started this war, arguing that Biden pushed Putin's buttons over Russian concerns about Ukraine joining NATO in an effort to draw attention away from domestic issues. Elsewhere, OAN has aired news segments focusing primarily on russian wants and concerns when it comes to peace talks and the re- the reason for the invasion itself these include boosting the kremlin's overblown claims that the ukrainian government which is led by a jewish president whose family includes holocaust survivors is rife with far right extremists and neo nazis which the us government allegedly helped fund and train so, that's not total bullshit. That's a little part of – little column A, little column B there. There, yeah, there, there are there some are, uh, battalions there. Uh, like the Az – what the fuck is it called? Azanon, Azzer – I don't remember what it's called. But it's a far-right neofash battalion. Absolutely. More than a
0: battalion. There's a lot. The existence of that group is – you know, part of the the angle that Putin has used when he talks about denazification of Ukraine. I think that the the number of far right extremists and neo-Nazis in Ukraine is percentage wise, maybe not more, maybe not less than the millions of people who have those particular ideals in Russia. Yeah. So if really denazification was the agenda, he probably should have started at home.
1: Yeah, that would be a good fucking place to start. And there's something to be said for where we draw the line between Nazism and fascism have there's there's a blurred line between the two. And in in everyday discussion of politics or history or whatever it is. I think that it's easy to blur the two, and because of the vagaries in each of those terms, it's easy to blur the two.
0: So I, I think that we're, what we're hearing is Jules apologizing for either or
1: both Nazism and fascism. Listen, I have my anti-fa <laughs> card posted on my fridge. Uh, I got it. I'm a. I'm a. I'm one of the. <clears throat> I'm one of the anti-fa uh, sergeants.
0: He's looking for his colonel, his colonel promotion soon.
1: Yeah, they just won't give it to me. It's because of this podcast.
0: So, I'm pretty sure you were wondering about the name of the battalion. It actually appears in this same
1: article. Is as of as of. I was so close. I was so yeah, close. You, you
0: added like three extra syllables, but yeah, you were close.
1: What I'm saying is, is this this distinction between Nazi and fascist is. A blurred line, both in terms of how we use each of those terms and how we distinguish between the two. You can have a fascist who theoretically is Jewish, and you can have a – well, I don't know what the counter would be, but that's not my point. What I'm getting at – The counter to Jewish? I, I'm saying like <laughs> I, I I was trying to do I was trying to do a juxtaposition here where I, I'm comparing two things as as opposites, where you can have a one thing that's a this, but a that what's, thing what's that's the, a
0: that. What's the opposite of a Jew?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just riffing Sean. I didn't think this through. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
2: But my point stands.
1: My point is that we use these vagaries in our understanding of it. When we have Putin talking about denazification, it's very easy for people to subscribe to that idea, I think, because they can easily transpose Nazi with fascist and say, well, we've got these fascists over here. And I think it's very easy for people to – who want to agree with him anyways – who want to say, oh, well, there's Nazis there, and look at the Azov battalion. In all of the above cases, the reality is, what is the government in charge of Ukraine? And it's basically just a fucking liberal government. Yeah. That's, that's the important part of this whole fucking narrative. When we're using these extreme terms, such as communist, fascist, Nazi, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we have to Put a fucking anchor down for a minute and look at what we're really talking about. Was that another rant? You're looking at me like that was another rant. (laughs) It was a rant. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thorny issue. While Congress has passed measures to prevent arms and supplies from getting to far-right Ukrainian groups like the Azov Battalion, as the Daily Beast reported in 2019... It's hard for the U.S. government to actually ensure that ban is upheld. More like, broadly, impossible. Impossible? How the fuck would you?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyway, we could talk uh, about yeah. Syria.
1: I don't want to talk about Syria. More broadly, however, Russia is overhyping concerns of far-right extremists, who have a presence on both sides of the Ukrainian-Russian divide, to justify the invasion of its sovereign neighbor, all right, so we're going to, we have a clip here now. It's a, uh, this is an OAN report,
0: and I think it pretty much speaks for itself. I don't think it could be more pro Russian if Putin had put it out on his own.
4: Russia is now preparing for the fourth round of talks with the Ukrainian regime. Russia's foreign ministry says the new round of peace talks with Ukraine will begin in Belarus Monday. Moscow reiterated its peace proposal, saying Ukraine must demilitarize and accept a non-aligned status in global affairs. Over the past two weeks, Russian forces established control over 89 cities in eastern and southern Ukraine and neutralized 90 percent of Ukraine's military infrastructure. New reports appear to support Russia's concerns about extremist groups working with the Ukrainian government.
0: These guys came in and took over Maidan, violently overthrew the the legitimate president of Ukraine, and then imposed themselves through force of violence into the Ukrainian body politic. When British, American and Canadian troops go to Ukraine to train that military in NATO tactics, NATO equipment, the photographs show that they're training the Azov Battalion because those were the first units Ukrainian military brought forward for training. We trained Nazis.
4: Russia says Kiev must expel extremist groups from its military and government and allow the Russian language to be spoken freely in Ukraine.
0: All right, so that guy you were hearing was Scott Ritter. If anybody's unfamiliar with who he is, he was a convicted child sex offender. He was convicted for unlawful contact with a minor and criminal use of communications facility, corruption of minors, indecent exposure, Possessing instruments of crime and criminal solicitation. That just <laughs> means that he uh he tried to meet young girls on the internet. <laughs>
1: That's so surprising to me. I, how could it be? So Scott Ritter is their military expert. We, we we can dismantle his arguments without dismantling him. Yeah, we don't need to add hominem this guy. Aside from all of his
0: child sexual contact convictions and whatever. He actually does have a real background in the material he's talking about. He was an advisor in Iraq and he was anyway, he is you can look him up. He he definitely did things and he was a he was also a very vocal critic of the invasion of Iraq and felt very vindicated when no weapons of mass, destru- mass destruction were found. But yeah, he does
1: come with a a lot of provisos. And all of that argument before we go further, the, the whole idea of uh, that he's proposing, and that has been suggested so far, is that Ukraine was entertaining the idea of becoming a NATO member. They wouldn't even fucking accept it. NATO even said, "Nah, not right now."
0: Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to that too. There's a lot why a lot to why NATO did not immediately accept Ukraine. There's a lot. One going of the on. reasons. Well, one of the reasons is that they didn't is that – was the Russian activity on the border and the and, – and then the Russian influence in the Donbass region. A lot of this factored into whether or not they could be accepted. Because of the, the, the conflict that Putin was stirring up on Ukraine's border, it, it, it actually disqualified Ukraine from entering into NATO on its own because it was an unstable scenario. And so there, there are provisions about that. This isn't like a cut and dry kind
1: of issue. Yeah. But part of what I'm saying is this is the sort of, well, uh, you shouldn't have been wearing that skirt kind of argument.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, none of, none of this justifies Putin crossing the border. <laughs> none of it justifies that. But there's a lot of details going on here. And especially when it comes to the Azov Battalion, which is basically a paramilitary group. I think that once you get invaded by another country, then, you know, that old expression of the enemy of my enemy is my friend comes into play. Yeah, that comes into play. Like, you don't have a lot of luxuries at that point about who you're going to ask for help. A lot a lot of people gave Zelensky shit for offering to release prisoners who had military experience so that they could go fight. After you get invaded, I think all that
1: shit's on the table. When there are fucking tanks outside of your capital city, yeah. you're willing to consider opportunities. If this was Washington,
0: D.C., and there were tanks in Montana, you would think about releasing prisoners to go
1: fight. Let's keep going. Meanwhile, the commentary from Fox News' is headlining talking head, C- Cucker Tarlson. <laughs> <laughs> what did they say last time? Tarl Cuckerson. <laughs> Meanwhile, the commentary from Fox News' headlining talking head has been so effusive on behalf of Russia and Putin that the pundit has pundit. I know it's pundit, but I'm saying pundit because you will put All right. I'll start the, the whole Putin. fucking thing. I'll do the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, the commentary from Fox News' headlining Talking Head has been so effusive on behalf of Russia and Putin that the pundit has earned favorable mentions on Russian state controlled media. While his colleagues may not have been able to match him, it doesn't seem for lack of trying. Fox Nation host Laura Logan, during an appearance on Real Media's Voice, let loose a tangent. Real
0: America's Voice. Real America's Voice. Fox News Hote. Jules is failing with the reading tonight. God damn it. Are you drunk? No. (laughs) I've had like three glasses.
1: All right. Get this out. Be a pro. Fox Nation host Laura Logan, during an appearance on Real America's Voice, let loose a tangent on Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's past as an actor and entertainer which quickly veered into satanic panic territory. Logan called Zelensky a puppet and said you could find him on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants, shirtless, doing a spoof, dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock-up of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic, occult kind of music video. I just love all of this so much. It makes me so happy that they just lose their shit
0: over a professional entertainer who is now a politician and leading the nation valiantly, I think, in his defense against the Russian invasion. But yes, he was an entertainer and entertainers do all kinds of things. And she just can't cope. Talk about just a, like a wine mom drunk in the afternoon. (laughs) Like she just can't handle
1: the fact that he would dress up in a costume to do a bit. Everything about their ideology, their thinking, their worldview, everything is stuck in the mid-80s. They love Reagan. They are convinced that there's a communist plot around the corner. And notably, the satanic panic is always part of their fucking narrative.
0: But you see, it's, a, it's the same kind of freak out that, that parents had when their kids would go to see fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show. you see tim curry dressed up as frankenfurter and everybody's like oh my god my child is gay and anyway and i have a secret to reveal about that by the way if Uh, hold on let's listen to laura logan talk keep your secrets in the closet (laughs) (laughs)
4: What troubles me about the moment that we're in is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defense, you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. Putin my job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here I don't like being lied to and we're being mm-hmm. lied to on an epic scale when we're told your only choices, you have to be a hundred percent with Zelensky who's a puppet who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants you know, with shirtless, doing a spoof Dancing with the Stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of s- satanic, occult type of uh, music video. <laughs> and I mean, Zelensky was selected, like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with with big tech. And with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in. But what we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world, because w- look at what's happening with COVID. Look at what has happened globally. We are fighting the same battles all over the world to pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a, just a barefaced lie. Yeah.
1: First of so, all, it's the siege of Leningrad. Yeah. Historically. Second of all, it was the Red Army.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What the fuck? <laughs> know your
0: history, I know. lady. Yeah, I know I know she she's like she's talking all that shit about knowing your history and she gets some basic facts wrong. Notice how they've uh, they've thrown in on Gitter down there in their uh in their Chiron where they say they they show their Gitter handle at real AM, real AM voice on Gitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going down here. Well, actually, do you want to watch the video?
1: <gasps> oh, there's a video.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, we we can actually watch Zelensky do his uh, do his routine.
1: Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> the whole fucking thing is somewhere between i'm too sexy and something from from uh what's the band that does do host me it's something between those two mixed together. It's so fucking good. It, it's just a bit. It sounds like
0: you can hear people applauding and laughing in the background. So I, I found the clip on this tiny little YouTube channel that that posted it. I'm not going to mention the dude's name because he's got like 13 subscribers. I don't want to throw anything his direction. <laughs> but the comment, that like the description that he puts with the video, it says satanic perverse president of Ukraine (laughs) dot 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 no doubt there are a bunch of queer Nazis over there fighting for the new world order dot 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 time is running out to stop your governments from triggering a nuclear war dot 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 bring the guillotines or you'll finish the year ultra crispy dot 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 and then the very there's only two comments the very first one says wow figures." All about the children. Crying emoji.
1: (laughs) (laughs) First of all, the abuse of ellipses is hardcore boomer energy. Yeah, but he's not a boomer. He's a young one. Oh, I don't care. I'm just saying. (laughs) Let's keep going. And just this morning, March 15th, Fox and Friends co-host Rachel Campos Duffy tried to pin the blame for the war in Ukraine on Western provocation. In a potential sign that these propaganda tricks may be running their course, Campos Duffy's own colleague, Brian Kilmeade, pushed back, declaring, Rachel, they did not provoke the war. They did not provoke this war. (laughs) (laughs) He added, Russia can't make a red line in other countries, Rachel. It's not up to them to make a red line in other countries. Why should a democracy give up because Vladimir Putin is a lunatic? When this is coming from your own side... Well, you can't even keep Fox and Friends
0: together on this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the immediate aftermath of the invasion, footage of Russia's attacks and news of casualties seemed to quiet some of Putin's U.S. defenders. But that shame is proving temporary, as their admiration for Putin, whom they see as an ally in the right-wing culture war and disdain for Biden, has brought back the pro-Kremlin talking points with a vengeance. Hours after Campos Duffy caped for Putin in Russia, Fox News announced that one of their network's journalists, videographer and producer Pierre Zakrzewski, had been killed in Ukraine, where he was working to document the -the on-the-ground effects of Putin's invasion. Alexandra Kufchinova, a Ukrainian journalist, was killed in the same incident. Zachary was in the vehicle with Fox News correspondent Benjamin Hall, who was injured and remains hospitalized. The day underscores an ever-present tension at Fox News, where there are some real journalists doing real journalism, at times heroically. But their work is perpetually overshadowed by a cadre of pundits who always seem to find their way on the wrong side of an issue, even when the choice is between civilians and a Russian autocrat whose invasion is killing them.
0: Again, John Blistein really did a great job with this one. Out of the park with this one. He's one of the better writers that we're, that we're seeing out there right now. And all these article guys who constantly are publishing articles about everything and trying to fix everything with their you know their <laughs> next piece, this one really stands out as an example of how you can... Show multiple angles and yeah and really tell a story the The fact that he really anchors this at the bottom by talking about Fox journalists who are doing real journalism like he says heroically, but that they're constantly overshadowed by all of these people on these news talk shows
1: that get all of the attention they're trying so very fucking hard to say the thing that stands out from the crowd. And it's often just fucking bullshit to make a spectacle. They're just trying to be shocking.
0: So all the material that we were starting with, talking about how QAnon isn't really a thing, but yet here we are with Laura Logan talking about Satanism and Zelensky being part of some sort of satanic kind of operation. These are exactly the same QAnon talking points, talking about satanic pedophiles talking about people who are participating in rituals and that have some sort of an occult agenda, I don't think that the description that we've heard earlier from the polling is accurately representing how much influence these QAnon ideas are having on our media. And we're going to get it again. You know, we're, we're, we're just about to talk about the Senate Judiciary Committee for Judge Katanji
1: Brown-Jackson. And we're going to hear more QAnon ideas. It makes me think of Saul Alinsky. I brought him up in previous episodes. He keeps coming to mind when we're talking about people who are making a lot of noise, but do not represent a significant amount of the population. Actually, like I'm
0: making a little bit of a different point here. And you could be right. And I don't disagree with this sentiment that smaller groups tend to make disproportionate amounts of noise. But that's not necessarily what we're seeing here. What I'm thinking is that there are a lot more people who subscribe to QAnon type ideas, but don't necessarily know that they're associated with QAnon. Yeah. Which is what would account for, in my mind, why we see satanic pedophile shit on Fox News and on OAN and coming out of the Republicans in the U.S. Senate even though the polling shows that a lot of people don't know what QAnon is see i think that the people who the people who manage the polling and you know keep track of the numbers for these senators and for fox news and for oan they they have an idea about how many people subscribe to these ideas whether they call them qanon or not they have an idea about how many people are holding these beliefs and that's why this content is out there. That's why these senators take the positions that they're taking. We'll wrap all this up with, with another poll and an interpretation of that poll that ties this stuff together. But let's talk about this uh, the Senate confirmation for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. This is an opinion piece from the New York Times by Jamel Bowie. Republican senators play the QAnon game. Republicans on the State Judiciary Committee have spent the last week smearing Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, President Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court, as indifferent to and soft on child sexual abuse. That is a huge QAnon position. It's squarely in their court. It's so much so that the Save the Children hashtag has been entirely co-opted by QAnon believers. So much so that the National Butterfly Sanctuary had to shut down their operations, and they might still be closed, because they were worried about the safety of their employees, because so many QAnon believers and defenders had descended on them, thinking that the National Butterfly Sanctuary was somehow enabling sex traffickers to cross the border. So the Butterfly Sanctuary is on the Texas border with Mexico, because that's where the butterflies go through. They're fucking butterflies. See, the idea that's been spreading around is that this was all cover for child sex trafficking across the border. Now, why they think that they need to traffic children across the border in this way, who the fuck knows? It doesn't have to make sense for people to believe it. Yeah. We've already seen that over and over again. We need to get away from the demand that this has to make some kind of rational sense for us to wrap our heads around it. No people believe all this shit without any sort of logical support for it. It doesn't matter
1: if there's any evidence. Yeah. it doesn't. It, they don't care. Facts do not matter. This is not a conclusion coming from careful reasoned analysis. Yeah, this is magical realism in real life. This is a subscription to ideas that once you join a particular tribe, you're subscribing to the belief system of that tribe. And the belief system is not about whether or not it's factual. It's nope. about your allegiance to the tribe. You just believe it. If you want to stay a member, you have to believe it.
0: After you've gone crazy enough that all your families cut you off, these are the only people you have left.
1: Very similar to a fucking cult. It's actually, it's, it's fucking crazy because it's like a distributed cult network. Usually cults are inclusive where they have in-group, out-group kind of shit. But here, it's, it's a lot of the cult traits, but you don't have a weird place in montana to go no there's no compound somewhere i mean there are compounds
0: but largely there are no compounds all you need to do is get onto the right message board and say yeah i think there are mole people underneath the getty museum <laughs> <That's it. laughs> i i think that there are reptilians in underground complexes beneath walmarts that's all you got to do all right B- back back to uh jamel bowie's piece Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri began the attack last week with a lengthy tre- – with a lengthy tr- – <laughs> well, You want to try again? One. Yeah. <laughs> Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri began the attack last week with a lengthy threat on Twitter accusing Jackson of showing undue leniency toward child pornographers while serving as vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Quote, I think we just have a basic question to ask, Hawley told Fox News. Are we going to get a judge here who's going to protect children or who's going to protect child predators? All right. This is the QAnon dog whistle about Save the Children and child sex
1: trafficking. This is it. And what's worse is that it obscures the human trafficking and child abuse that actually fucking happens. The people who actually are doing work trying to limit and end
0: human trafficking. I mean, ending human trafficking is a long shot, but curtailing it is probably what's on the table. The people who are doing that hard work have been very clear that this Save the Children QAnon movement has done nothing but fuck up their efforts to slow down human trafficking. They've done nothing but get in the way. Good job. Senator Mike Lee of Utah joined his colleague in attempting to tie Jackson to child pornographers. The White House's, uh, quote, The White House's whataboutist response to Judge Jackson's very real record in child pornography cases is dismissive, dangerous, and offensive, he said on Twitter. Quote, we need real answers. Hawley and Lee followed through on their promise to get, quote, answers from Jackson, taking every available opportunity to paint the judge, who would be the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court, as overly lenient toward, if not somehow sympathetic to, child pornographers, and other sexual predators. Senators Ted Cruz of Texas, Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and Tom Cotton of Arkansas joined in.
1: What a fucking rogues gallery that group is. Such hypocrisy. One of them is the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) And Lindsey Graham, he threw the temper tantrum and
0: got so upset that he stormed out of the proceedings. Judge Jackson, like so many far-left activists, thinks that mandatory minimums for drug crimes are too harsh, just like she apparently thinks that mandatory minimums for child pornography are too harsh, Cotton told Laura Ingram. She consistently sentences to the lowest end of the sentencing guidelines, even or even deviates downward from the sentencing guidelines. That's what we've seen over the last two days examining her record. She is a far-left activist who always, almost always, finds a way to sympathize with the criminals, not with the victims. What the fuck? Tom Cotton. Just calling it like he sees it.
1: Can I point out that the mandatory minimum sentences was from fucking Biden in the 90s? That was the crime bill that he yeah, wrote. Absolutely.
0: And a lot of judges deviate from the mandatory minimum. Judges that have been nominated and appointed by Bush, by Clinton by Obama, by Trump, a lot of judges deviate from the mandatory minimum sentencing guidelines. That's the part that they're not talking about here. That's the shit that they overlook because they don't want to educate anybody. They don't want to let let anybody know what their decision making process is. They just want to angle everything
1: to whatever agenda they're trying to project. We have more prisoners in the United States than any other country by a lot. Not only by volume, but by incarceration rate, and per capita, literally all of the metrics. The fact that it's by volume as well, when we have so many fewer people than, for example, China.
0: I'm going to keep going. These attacks are nonsense, a willful twisting of the facts. What what those facts show is that Jackson is no more lenient than her colleagues in the federal judiciary when it comes to sentencing for non-production child pornography crimes. All right, that means crimes where the offender views or distributes material, but does not produce it. That is sharing something in a message board. Now, that is a terrible fucking thing, obviously, and it's... Kind of gross to even be talking about that right now. But we should be seeing that as different than creating child pornography. Yeah. Encountering child pornography and then sharing it with somebody else or posting it on a message board, sharing it with a
1: lot of people. It's different than getting a fucking camera and that is different than, children than collecting
0: children together and taking photos. All right. Yeah. We need to see those things as different. As the legal scholar Douglas A. Berman wrote in response to Hawley, Judge Jackson's sentencing decisions placed her in the quote, mainstream of federal judges. Her record, he writes, quote, does show she is quite skeptical of the ranges set by the guidelines, but so too were prosecutors in the majority of her cases, and so too are district judges nationwide appointed by presidents of both parties. So that's echoing exactly the same the, the same thing that we were saying a moment ago, that people bucking against the, the minimum sentencing guidelines is not specific to either party. It's happening all over the place. A lot of yeah. people have problems with the minimum sentencing guidelines. This attack is so spurious and dishonest that National Review denounced it as meritless to the point of demagoguery. Of course, demagoguery is the point. It's no accident that Republicans have landed on this particular accusation. The belief that Democrats are pedophiles, and at its top levels, the Democratic Party is an elaborate pedophilia ring, looms large in the QAnon conspiracy theory. This is where it's all coming home. Yep. This this is the point that I've been trying to make here. Which is something like orthodoxy for a substantial portion of the Republican base. In a poll taken just before the 2020 election, Half of Donald Trump supporters agreed that top Democrats are involved in elite child sex trafficking rings. And in a poll taken last year by the Public Religion Research Institute, 15% of Americans say that, quote, the levers of power are controlled by a cabal of Satan worshiping pedophiles. 15% now. All right, we were talking about two and some change. That's a maybe five times more. Uh, that's a lot different. The The first poll that he mentions, not the Public Religion Research Institute, but the first poll is from YouGov. We're going to get into that one in a second here. But this is a big difference. And the distinction here is that we're not talking about people who, quote, believe in QAnon or adhere to ideas professed in QAnon circles. We're talking about Americans who say that, quote, the levers of power are controlled by a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. All right, all these words in here, levers of power, controlled, cabal, and Satan-worshipping pedophiles, what they're talking about is believing in some specific idea as opposed to agreeing with QAnon. These are different things, and YouGov really gets into that.
1: When we're looking at these data points, we can see the corollaries or correlates such as these ideas, these tenets that they're subscribing to, this 15% of these tenets. And we can see where people say, I subscribe to this specific thing, or I've never heard of that. And we can perhaps get a better idea of what people actually believe. By the indicators, these indicators, these corollaries, these correlates that suggest if you believe this, you probably subscribe to these other things yeah I think that would be way more of an accurate way to understand what the real percentage is, and I think that's probably what we're seeing here, where if you ask somebody hey do you sub- do you subscribe to this? do you subscribe to that?" They might say all sorts of things, but if you ask indicator questions such as what is your view of Black Lives Matter and then give five common responses ranging from conservative responses to liberal responses to leftist, anarchist, socialist responses. I think you'd get way more of an indicator from the answer to what do you think of Black Lives Matter than you would, do you believe in this group? So that that 15%,
0: that doesn't surprise me because – we have Republican senators echoing these talking points, and we know that all these talking points – I mean, at least we can, we can assume with a, with a lot of certainty that most of these talking points are based in solid polling. They wouldn't be saying all this shit. People like Tom Cotton and Lindsey Graham and Mike Lee aren't going to be saying these things unless the polling that, they're, that they're, they have access to is telling them that these are the issues that are mattering to their voters. That's why they're talking like this because everybody is always trying to protect their brand and trying to get reelected. All right, now we're going to hear from somebody we haven't talked about before on this show, but who you know who's been known to us for some, for a little while now. This is Red Pill Seventy Eight, whose uh, real name is Zach Payne, <laughs> and on LinkedIn he describes himself as a multimedia journalist. Red Pill Seventy Eight. He, at one time, had a fairly successful YouTube channel to the tune of tens and tens and tens, if not hundreds of thousands of subscribers. That all stopped when YouTube and Twitter banned him in October of 2020. And these dates are not terribly coincidental. A lot of this original polling data came out in fall of 2020. The The tech companies behind these social media platforms, they see this stuff too and they respond accordingly. A lot of yeah. this is reactionary once this stuff makes is made public. It's not like they didn't know this ahead of time, but now there, there's public data that's available and they're forced to act because other people are going to be paying attention now. And they're gonna be asking
1: uncomfortable
0: fucking yeah, questions. Like why do you allow that these
1: companies would rather just fucking avoid. Yeah, why
0: do you allow these people that are spouting all of this this bullshit to exist on your platform? Basically, is the is the uncomfortable question. They they have to do something at this point. And the you the YouGov, is- uh material that was published on October twenty, yeah, it's five days after uh YouTube and Twitter were banning Zach Payne or Red Pill 78. But there was other material that was being made public at that point. So now he's still very active. Between Odyssey, BitChute, and Rumble, which are three very low rent video platforms, he still has over 200,000 subscribers. Jesus Christ. Never accuse us of punching down
3: at WetWired. <laughs> <laughs> or the possession of child pornography. And what's really, really disturbing is that Joe Biden's new pick for the Supreme Court, Katanji Brown Jackson, appears to be some sort of an apologist or someone who is looking to do judicial activism on behalf of child molesters and people like her colleagues in the Democrat Party who have successfully molested children and then went on to find themselves on the wrong end of the judicial stick, if you will. Now, this has been exposed by Senator Josh Hawley, who, in my opinion, is a real champion for conservative values. Of course, the White House and Joe Biden, who seems to enjoy sniffing and uh, allegedly molesting children, they call this information that Josh Hawley has been able to pull up toxic misinformation, saying that it's been cherry picked. The shocking and frightening thing to me about the pick of Ketanji Brown Jackson for Supreme Court justice it is not the fact that she seems to be an apologist for child molesters and people who possess and use child pornography. It is the blatant way that the Democrats seem to keep elevating pedophiles and people who can change the laws surrounding punishment for people who are pedophiles. It's almost as if it's on full display. But over the years, the Democrats have continually eroded away at the norms in this country. They want to access pedophilia for themselves. They want to destroy the stigma that surrounds pedophiles and people who molest children. They want to normalize these behaviors. And what better way to ultimately do it than to get someone on the bench at the Supreme Court, the ultimate authority on the interpretation of laws in America, than someone like Katanji Brown Jackson... The only reason that Judge Brown Jackson would want to reduce the stigmatization and ostracism of people who would abuse our children is because she wants to normalize it. That's the only logical conclusion. They want to slowly whittle down the sentences for people who molest children, for people who possess and distribute child (laughs) pornography, for people who produce (laughs) child pornography. They want to get it to the point where the public believes that it's no big deal to have this stuff, where it's no big deal to molest children, where it's no big deal to destroy the future of the most vulnerable individuals in American society. This is what the elite want. And the people that attack us wonder why we believe there is some organized conspiracy for the elites to molest children. It's because time and time (laughs) again, we keep seeing it, the same thing repeated over and over and over again. We watch Democrats molest children. We watch Democrats go to prison. We watch judges like Katanji Brown Jackson, social justice warrior activists who get on the bench and who want to normalize something as heinous as the molestation of a child. This cannot stand. Judge Katanji Brown Jackson cannot and must not ever set foot into the United States Supreme Court. And I need every single person here.
0: Alright, so that all brings us to the the Ugov article and the the polling, the interpretation of the polling data that that showed up in Bowie's Times piece and uh and James Shanahan's article in Heavy. Half of Trump supporters think Democrats are involved in child sex trafficking. Among those who have heard of QAnon, about three in five, fifty-nine percent of voters Think it's an extremist conspiracy theory with no basis in fact. One in nine, 11%, say they think the QAnon goes too far, but they believe some of what they've heard, and just 7% think it's true outright. Looking along political fault lines, unsurprisingly, almost 85% of Biden supporters who have heard of QAnon think it's a conspiracy theory with no factual basis. No surprise there. With another 4% saying it goes too far but believe some aspects of it and 3% think it's entirely true. On the other side of the political spectrum, nearly half, 47% of Trump supporters who have heard of the conspiracy theory just aren't sure what to make of it. A little more than 1 in 6, 15% of Trump voters think QAnon is true. While about the same number, 16% think it's an extremist theory with no basis in fact. One in five, 22%, think it goes too far, but believe some aspects of the conspiracy theory. All of this is pretty much along the tracks of what we've been talking about from these other articles earlier. Nothing really disagrees with it. Um, Of people who have heard of QAnon, three in five think it's extremist with no basis in fact. That makes perfect sense, 59%. One in nine think that QAnon goes too far, but they believe some of what they've heard. And seven percent think it's true. That's talking about QAnon, that name, that word specifically is used in the poll. But if we jump ahead a little bit, however, when the specific allegations of QAnon were put to voters, fully half, 50% of Trump supporters think that Democrats are involved in elite child sex trafficking rings, while another third, 33%, aren't sure. Only about one in six, 17% of Trump voters say they don't believe in such a theory. So when we take take away QAnon and we just talk about some of the tenets of QAnon, including child sex trafficking rings that Democrats are running, or at least involved
1: in, 50% of Trump voters think that's true. You know, when we're talking about these beliefs and comparing them to these people say, I don't subscribe to the QAnon ideas. And then they're subscribing to these beliefs. I think there was somebody who we were just listening to who said something like, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck.
0: So nobody can see this except for Joel's, but I'm shaking my head. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) very good.
1: (laughs) I mean, to use his own
0: fucking point. I don't need Red Pill 78 to support me here. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I take him off the screen, we can stop talking about him.
3: Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. As always, I'm your host, Zach Payne, the corruption detector. And there's an old saying, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck and it hangs out with ducks. Well, it's probably a duck, except in this instance, we're talking about pedophiles and Democrats. Every single one of those clips I put together, and believe me, there was a lot more.
0: This is the big point, though. If we're just talking about QAnon as a whole by name and asking if people believe it or don't believe it or think it's true or whatever, agree with it, disagree with it, that's one thing. And we get like 3%. Yeah, but we talk about specific beliefs, especially incredibly hard to believe and extreme ones, like Democrats being involved in or operating an elite child sex trafficking ring or rings – and fifty percent of Trump supporters agree with that? That's a very specific take. That means it is here. Yeah. This bullshit about Q and not being a big deal and that polling data supports the fact that left wing media is exaggerating everything. It's just total bullshit. Yeah. There's no way of there's no other way of describing it. Somebody who doesn't want to look any further than the absolute most superficial aspect of polling data and just runs with that conclusion because that's what's most convenient to believe. This also explains, like, this 50% in the, the Ugov poll also explains why we're having Republican senators spending so much fucking time in a judicial convert, uh, uh, confirmation hearing talking about sentencing for child pornography and sex crimes, why they're spending so much time on this very specific topic. Yes, it is very important and I'm sure it's not any it's it's not there's is, nobody is more important to you than the parents of a child who's been a victim of, of one of these sexual offenders. But all of that considered this is probably not the biggest issue that a Supreme Court justice is going to
1: be concerned with. They're going to deal with it very rarely most likely I would guess. When we're talking about these sorts of horrendous things such as Sex trafficking, human trafficking, child pornography. These are things that reasonably I would totally fucking believe that people who are powerful would engage in these kinds of things. Uh, I have no imagination that people who have a tremendous amount of money or political power or other kinds of socioeconomic status would engage in the creepiest. Most bizarre, horrifying things that you could imagine. I have absolute belief that that is totally a thing that people in these classes of society could totally and probably do engage in. And I think that the confusion that we see here with QAnon and all the things that QAnon is saying is this idea that. When I'm imagining people who are extremely powerful and do they engage in super fucking crazy shit, do I think they do that? Yes, I totally think that they do that. But then they say, oh, by the way, it's specifically the Democrats. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that is the part where I have a huge fucking
0: hang up. So among Trump supporters, roughly the same results appear when respondents were asked if they think Trump is working to dismantle said sex trafficking rings. 52% think he is, 12% don't think so, and 37% aren't sure. Again, a wide swath of of Biden's voters, 80%, don't believe it. When President Trump was asked during his NBC town hall if he would completely disavow QAnon and reject its claims, that Democrats run a satanic pedophile ring and that he is the savior. He responded, I know nothing about QAnon and went on to say that he knows that they are very strongly against pedophilia and I agree with that.
1: (laughs) I don't know anything about it, but if I did know about it, I'd say they were very strongly against pedophilia.
0: Three quarters, seventy-four percent of his supporters said his response was appropriate, while only five percent thought it was inappropriate. About one in five, twenty-one percent, said they're not sure. And exactly the opposite responses with Biden supporters. Before posing questions regarding QAnon, the Yahoo YouGov poll asked respondents about child sex trafficking as a general issue. See, this is a rare, this is a very responsive poll, which is why I wanted to to add this one here at the end. Of the uh, at the end of the show, because they 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 went past this initial sort of superficial questionnaire, and they they added much more context. Yeah. So the the Yahoo YouGov poll asked respondents about child sex trafficking as a general issue. Roughly three in ten, thirty one percent registered voters. Have seen posts of received emails from friends or family about child sex trafficking with Trump voters more likely than Biden supporters to say so, 38% to 24%. A little less than half, 45% of voters, think child sex trafficking is a big problem in the US, and another 28% think it's somewhat of a problem. Just 8% think it's either a small problem or not a problem at all. I don't think any of these people have ever encountered actual information about child sex
1: trafficking they have no fucking idea i find that with these crowds we see the same shit over and over and over again this sense of tribalism and i'm not just talking about maga because we see it among liberals we see it among anarchists we see among socialists you know fucking pick a fucking crowd The ideas are tethered not to some sort of analysis of what reality happens to be. It's not tethered to looking at the world around you and saying, here's what I think is the fucking case based on the things that I'm seeing. No, they're so fucking stuck in their bubbles that they can't say anything else. They can't say anything else.
0: And they don't trust any organizations that actually monitor these things to tell them what's going on. See, that's one of the problems that we have is that there is so much shit that all of us are, are confronted with. There's so much information. There's so many problems. There's so many details that we can't possibly hope to keep tabs on all of it. Not at all. There is no reason why the average citizen should have any idea probably about the, the specific numbers of people who are, who are trafficked in or out of U.S. borders. Why would they? Why would they? All right. So because there's so much other – there are so many other things for them to – you know, so many other things that demand their attention, it makes perfect sense that they wouldn't know what those specific numbers are in the same way that they don't know the number of people in the U.S. that don't have access to fresh water. It's the the same kind of thing. These are both very big problems. Yeah. But if you do look it up, you don't really have a choice except to – Believe the numbers that you actually see. When you come across government statistics and actual information coming from law enforcement agencies who do monitor human trafficking, you probably should accept that. At the very least, you should probably accept that over some random shit that somebody you don't know posted
1: online somewhere. This is a problem of epistemology. It's always an epistemology problem. Every time. It's always a fucking epistemology problem. The idea that when we're encountering life and reality, touching the hot stove and discovering that it's fucking hot and it burns us, and then comparing that with somebody telling us that the stove is hot and trusting them, whether or not we have to get burned to believe somebody telling us that the stove is hot is, is the question that we're discussing here. And we cannot rely on... Simply our direct experience alone. We have to rely on other people to contribute our information about reality. This is part of what makes us human that we, we, we have mirror neurons for this sole fucking purpose. We're packed animal species. The whole fucking point is that we communicate with each other. That way we can have cumulative knowledge. That is what makes our species, among other things, unique and to pass on knowledge of previous generations or even present generations, that also presents a problem for somebody trying to figure out in whom they trust. And whatever metric they use, whatever guide or compass they're using to figure out anybody who says these things, I trust them. Anybody who says these things, I don't trust them. We see a lot of people who get, myself included by the way, who who get into a tribe and say, listen, these people over here, they know what they're talking about. All the times that I've encountered them, they've known what's up. Maybe people test it or maybe they don't, but for whatever reason, they believe that on at least a number of occasions, these people seem to be speaking the truth. So then they attribute all other truths to those same people or vice versa. And it became, it becomes such a fucking dichotomy where. Anything that people who I associate with as my tribe says is definitely true and anything that is against that or part of this dichotomy on the other end is not true and we fall into this funnel.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wet Wired Podcast. If you'd like to help us grow the show, we have a limited number of True Believer memberships on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get an extra few subscriber-only episodes every month. You can also share this episode on social and follow us on Twitter at WetWiredPod.
3: But we we have to take back control. If there's no community control of the schools, uh, what we have is um, kids being not only indoctrinated, but but groomed in, in a very real sense by people who are whether they know it or not, sexual predators are they abusing the kids uh, physically? N- no, I don't think so. But they're abusing them mentally and using and using um, sex to do so. This has always been the problem with education: is that teachers are uh, inclined, particularly men, because men are predators, to uh, pedophilia, and that's why there were strict um, community strictures about it. Thank God. So this started to break down when the schools said, you know what, we have to teach the kids about sex. Why? Because what if they don't do it at home?